0: and uh maybe it'll encourage you in some areas we have a... i i i can't even remember his name but in in the school uh Texas Baptist Institute over in henderson school uh out of our work there is a man who uh is the teacher there and but his main thing that he that he does he's an archaeologist and he's on the uh the National Archaeology Team in Israel. He's a, he's a Jewish man, I believe, and he has been over there and dug for years and years. And, and over in the school, there's a museum with so many different artifacts that, that, uh, he has dug up and that, um, proved the Bible absolutely to, to be uh, true. And I'm going to get him to come to the church here when he gets back. Right now, he is in Israel. And my nephew is going to school over there, and, and as a teacher, they, they were able this week to, uh, I guess you call it Skype is what it is. He was in the classroom on a video from Israel, and uh, they got to communicate. They could communicate however they do that back and forth. And one of the things that he said was, uh, they're digging right now, and he said that you're not going to hear it on American news but uh, recently, the Jews have absolutely confirmed that they have found the site of Solomon's temple and the place where Abraham offered up Isaac, which is the place they will build the temple of the last days. There's nothing stopping us. what the Islamic people are all stirred up about over there right now. You don't, you don't hear it on American News because American News is anti-Christian. <laughs> but they have found it, and and he talked to the people of the Temple Institute, and they are gathering everything together to start to build that temple. When they start to build that temple, whether you're pre, mid, or post, you better you better start looking up, people. Right. And, and So it's possible, possible we're at the brink of that. Uh, and just to put a plug in there, Willie's teaching on the book of Revelation on Wednesday night. I think David's in Daniel now, Sunday school on prophecy. So if you want some understanding on that, either... Come to Sunday school or wednesday night and uh and those two men can answer all of your prophetic biblical <laughs> questions amen <laughs> amen. I wanted to read the scripture to you, and then I'm going to expound for just a second proverbs twenty eight uh, verse one, since we're talking about medical things for, I appreciate that brother offering that to our church and coming and explaining that you all take advantage of that, but uh I wanted to touch on uh, being in good shape uh chapter 28 verse 1 said the wicked flee when no one pursues this is why i don't jog that's all i that's all i had on that all right (laughs) i was going to start jogging i come across that scripture and thought i'm going to be biblical so (laughs) look at genesis chapter 1 i got a lot i want to share with you this morning you might want to have a pen so you can write a couple of notes down some things you're not going to remember that i want to give you Um, I think it'll probably take me a long time, but I, but what I'm I'm in the process of my mind, unless God changes it over the next long period of time, I'm going to start going through the Bible and just hitting highlights of Bible stories that I take for granted that everybody knows because I was raised in church since I was a baby and, and I've heard a lot of the stories. And, and one of the things my wife brought to my attention, she said, you know, when you preach that you'll often refer to Bible stories and go, y'all remember how, you know, uh, David did this or how Abraham did that. And she said, not, not everybody knows those stories. And I realize that we live in a culture now, to where a lot of people were never taught that. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna. It'll be a long period of time, and I'm gonna start in Genesis this week. Obviously, next week we're gonna tell the greatest story ever told. Uh, next Sunday will be Easter. Are we doing sunrise service? Sunrise service. All right, good deal. Um, but I'm gonna start. We're not gonna cover a lot. This is gonna be a lot of information. Um, So I'm gonna have to start by reading the scripture and then I'm just gonna read something to you that I wrote. It says, in the beginning, verse 1, Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was out form, without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the spirit of God was hovering or moved over the face of the waters. Then God said, the very thing, the first thing God speaks here, let there be light. And there was light and God saw that the light That it was good and God divided the light from the darkness. I'm I'm just going to stop there because I'm not even going to cover all of that this morning. This is, this, I had to write all this down normally. I don't just read, but I just got to read this to you and, and go on or I'll be here all day. Um, this is the beginning or the origin of the universe. And all that is in it. This is not the beginning of God because he did not have a beginning. God has always been. He's an eternal spirit that exists. Think about this. Outside of time and natural law. Oftentimes when you talk to an atheist, you know, you'll say, well, what caused? You know, most, most atheists believe the Big Bang Theory evolution and you can take them back and say well what caused the big bang there has to be a cause and then a lot of times their response will be well what caused god what we need to understand is number one we can't grasp god okay i can't i don't understand i absolutely 100 percent believe it for so many different reasons not just because i was raised to believe it but through abounding evidence let me say that that I don't have time to share this morning, that God spoke everything into existence. Can I understand that? Can I wrap my mind around it? No. And nobody else can. And it's okay that you can't wrap your mind around it, because if you could, then you would be God. God is far greater than we could ever conceive, and God told us enough of what we need to know so that we can understand who He is and what His purpose is in our life and what our purpose is in this life. But God exists outside of time and natural laws. He's not bound by what we're bound by. And so understanding His eternal Spirit is, is, is pretty much impossible. Uh, he exists as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, one God, three persons, Okay. Do you understand that? No. I'm not, I, can, I can give you all kind of illustrations, but understanding it is beyond me. Um, the Bible says that the wisdom of man is foolishness to God. Right. We can no more conceive this than we grasp that God's speaking and bringing all of this into existence. But by faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3. Now, scientists will say that they do not believe what they cannot observe yet. There was no man to observe the origin of the universe. And you cannot possibly demonstrate through any test or experiment and conclude that something as vast as our universe can be contained in an area the size of the end of a pencil. That's the Big Bang Theory. Big Bang Theory says that everything was contained in a very condensed piece of matter the size of a dot. That dot was spinning under intense heat. Exploded, and now we have everything. Whew, that, that's science. Uh, what I want to say is, can you replicate that? Because if you say you don't believe anything you can see, can anybody show me anything that will replicate that? No. No, you cannot. The fact is that this is taught. Let me, let me don't, not lose my place why I needed to read it. There it is. This is taught in every science book in the public school system across the country and most of the world. The fact is that the theory of evolution is just that. It's a theory. It is one that you must totally do away with common sense in order to accept it. It is by faith that people who believe in evolution, and for the most part, most of them, their faith is not in the evidence, but in the teachers and the scholars. And the so-called scientists who have believed a lie, they have to make false assumptions, use intimidation tactics. And what I mean by that is that... Today, if you voice your opinion that you, especially in the public school, college, you know, that kind of place. If you voice your opinion to say, I believe in God's creator, they will mock you openly. They will try to make a spectacle of you or your kids or your grandkids. Why? If you're a parent and you listen to this this morning, because i need to give you some information. You need to prep your kids if you're sending them to a public school or to a secular college. But but they use these fear image intimidation tactics To try to cause people to believe what they're feeding you. And it's nothing but a propaganda and a lie. And they had to sear their conscience in order to promote such a lie. God has given every one of us a conscience. To know what is right and what is wrong and in order to believe the theory of evolution. And I believe that's the very purpose which most people want to believe it. Because they do not want to deal with the truth and they sear or harden their conscience in order to believe a lie. They paint a picture of God to be something that he is not and label anyone who does not agree as an intelligent idiot with a mental disorder. And I've, this is just information I read. In Richard Dawkins' book, y'all had to bear with me on these big words, okay? In Richard Dawkins' book, The God Delusion, he says, and I quote, The God of the Old Testament is arguably the most unpleasant character in all fiction. These are, this is coming from a college teacher. And one of the most high profile atheists of our day. Unpleasant character in all of fiction, jealous and proud of it, a petty, unjust, unforgiving, control freak, a vindictive, bloodthirsty, ethnic cleanser, a misogynistic, homophobic, racist, infanticidal, genocidal, philicidal, pestilential, megalomaniacal, sadomasochistic, whatever that word means, capriciously, malevolent, bully. That's big words from a big mouth used to demonstrate how little he knows of what the Bible truly teaches. First Corinthians 2.14 says, But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. They are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. I want to finish this statement by clarifying I am simply a pastor using common sense. And let me say this, common sense goes a long way. I'm neither a scientist, nor do I claim to be or want to be. I'm not a Bible scholar, nor do I believe that you have to be to figure it out. Before you make your decision, because every one of you has to make a decision where you stand at this point, right here at the very beginning of the Bible, either God created or evolution took place. You can't blend them. You can't compromise it. You either believe one way or the other, and where you stand at this point will determine where you stand in life and in eternity. And so in that, before you make your decision, please know that God has blessed several men with intelligence beyond measure who are experts in this topic. Young people uh, that have said in college, or you're, maybe you're in public school, maybe you're in a college now, or maybe your intention is to go to college, listen to me. They're going to feed you this stuff. If you're in public school system, you're there. Think about this, parents. Your, your kids are there for eight hours a day, five days a week. And I thank God for the, our, our Christian teachers in the public school system who are trying to influence with, with life. For the majority, that's not, that's not the majority, okay? I, I don't know necessarily about around here, but I know in larger areas especially, the majority of them push this agenda. And, and they're going to push that agenda on your kids and your grandkids for f- at least 40 hours a week. If you think that bringing your child to Sunday school is going to equip them to battle that you have bought into a lie. It is up to us as parents to equip ourselves and to go through the work. And it is work. And it is mentally a painstaking work to prepare for this. But I love my kids and my grandkids enough that I'm willing to go through the work. But there are some men that God has blessed. I'm going to give you some names. Ken Ham. Ravi Zacharias. Ken Hoven. Ray Comfort. Here's an excellent one, Jay Warner Wallace, Lee Strobel, Norman Geisler, Josh McDowell, Hank Kenegraff. These are just a few, okay? And I can give you that list, or you can pull up Christian Apologetics on on the Internet, and you're going to get a list of, of people who have so much They have devoted their life, and God has blessed them with information. Because here's the truth. Most atheists that you see and that you talk to have never heard the truth of this side. They listen to a biased, highly opinionated, you know, a professor who is pushing all of these things that he calls facts, which are not facts down your kids' throats. And saying if you don't believe this, you're a weirdo, you have a mental disorder, you believe in a fairy tale world. And I'm gonna tell you something. If you do the study on evolution, you have to believe in a fairy tale to believe that junk. Now, I'm not gonna be ugly this morning as much as I'd like to be, but I'm just saying. But I'd encourage you, and this is what I want you to write down, everyone here, get your kids and your grandkids to watch this video. It's from Ray Comfort. It's called the Atheist Delusion. The atheist delusion. Common sense. This is not, he does have a lot of information on it, okay? It's about an hour long. I watched it twice this week. I am just so amazed by it. He's got a lot of scientific information, but he just uses common sense that everyone in here can grasp and communicate. You need to equip yourself. That you have no idea. If you think that everybody believes in God, you you ain't talking to people. We're living in a we're living in an antichrist culture that is totally oblivious to on this video he's talking to atheists uh and all of them are about, usually most all of them are college age and at the end of this video he asked every one of them the question, Do you know what God did in order that he could forgive your sin? Every one of them said, I've never heard it. Will you tell me? I'm like, What? This is the United States of America. But we live in a day that's way past the day that I was raised in where most people have never heard the gospel truth. They believe what somebody makes up about God and they think, I don't want anything to do with that. If that was true, I wouldn't want anything to do with it either. But it's not true. And before you make your decision, you have to look at clear evidence. Okay? And you got to go beyond just sitting and listening to some preaching. I'd also say that every Christian needs to read the book, which is an amazing book. It's a small, easy-read book. It's by J. Warner Wallace, and it's called Cold Case Christianity. That dude proves the Scripture beyond any shadow of a doubt. He validates everything that you know you can stand on the Bible and go, We have the Word of God. It's an amazing book, an amazing book. And it's an easy read because I'm not a, I'm not a big book reader, okay? Finishing up in reality, everyone must decide for themselves what they believe to be the cause of the universe, whether an intelligent creator who has revealed himself to mankind through direct revelation, through his intelligent design, in the conscience of man, through his word, and ultimately through his son, Jesus Christ, who gives us a perfect understanding of what was, what is, and what is to come, or You must believe everything was caused by nothing. That we are simply accidents of billions of random chances that somehow all came together in excellent order as the result of an explosion that nothing caused. We have no value, no purpose, no point, no morals, and according to evolution theory, Hitler was a better person than Billy Graham. If that's intelligent, please consider me to be dumb as a rock. I choose to identify with who I identify with, and I believe God's word beyond any shadow of a doubt that God created any and everything that we see and that he is sovereign over those things. Now, you come to your own conclusion and get the fruit of what you believe. But you better, sure enough, study it out. Now, for all you unintelligent people with a mentally ill disorder, turn to Genesis chapter 1. And let me offer this, by no means am I a scholar on this and anything, but if you have a question, or if you just feel like you've got to challenge this, that's great. I'm not interested in arguing, I am interested in reasoning, okay? Reasoning means you give me your facts, I give you my facts. We talk, if you just want to write it down, bring me the question and go, what do you do with that? I'll answer that question. If I can't answer it, I'll find a way to find an answer for it. And I will get back to you in the answer and I will carry this conversation on you for the rest of your life till you fall over dead to reason with you that that God is the creator, God is judge, God is a savior, he's a good God. So you bring me notes after church if you want to, okay? Now... Starting off where it says, and this is the only part I'm going to cover right here, and probably in verse 1 and part of verse 2, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Creation... Think about this. Prior to the fall of man, before sin, curse came about, was one revelation. Many revelations of God, but creation is one revelation of God's glory and his wisdom and his power and his goodness towards man. Each day, when God spoke into existence what he spoke into existence that day, he said, it is good. When he finished, especially a man who was creating God's image, he said, it is very good. So everything the Bible teaches, every good and every perfect gift comes from... From the Father of Lights, and so God gave creation to man in order to demonstrate to man his. When we look and see the things of creation, we should see we should be wowed over God. I I love the spring, and and I love seeing all the different things. The gospel is in everything. If you look for it, you know the 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 renewal of life, and you see all the green things. Don't 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 get so caught up in the world that you miss the best parts of it. You know, driving over the fields, don't take for granted. You look at the yellow flowers blooming up everywhere and I saw over by David's house this week there's a there's a field that's just covered in in uh, Indian paintbrushes the red blue bonnets and all these different things this is the this is when you try to just look at that just like God you're amazing you know God could have made everything dull and black and white and and all these different things but but he did everything so that we would go man God you must be amazing I mean just to be able to create that must let speak it into existence in just a small moment of time everything points to God's glory. Everything created in such a way that it is just... uh, You cannot deny an intelligent designer created something with such amazement, but... When God revealed to Moses, because Moses is the author of the book of Genesis, when God revealed to Moses through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of the name he would use in this of God, in the original language here, the name God is Elohim. The the name Elohim is in the plural form in the Hebrew. So what does that got to do? It magnifies that God is a Trinitarian God. He's one God, three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And you see all three of them here in the first three verses. Of the beginning of the scripture here The thing about Elohim That is different from his name Jehovah Jehovah was the name of a covenant personal God thought this was cool that when it talks about God creating the heaven and earth, Elohim is the name that magnifies God as creator and, and, and as judge and, it, and magnifies his might and his power. The actual wording there, the definition of that word would be the mighty ones, the powerful ones, the great ones is what it's talking about. Not that God is multiple gods, but that he is a Trinitarian God. But when you look at Yahweh later, when it talks about when God created man, it uses the name Yahweh, which is a very personal. Name. And so God is a person of God. So much you can learn about God when you study creation. But in this name Elohim, okay, is the name that magnifies him as creator and judge. That means God is the creator of all things, but he's also sovereign over all things, and he is the righteous judge of all. This is going to give you some insight of why people want to reject the obvious truth and to embrace a delusional lie. When you dig just a little bit, it's not because there's so much evidence for evolution, because there's not. Challenge any one of them. Challenge any one of them. Can you show me? Can you give me one example of a transitional fossil? No, they cannot. You can't show me anywhere where you've got something that's in the process of, and they'll always throw in the whole well. It just takes millions and millions and millions of years. You know what? I can stare at a rock. For for all my life, pass that picture on, and, and, and my son, and his son, and their daughter. and their, for, they, they can stand there and look at that rock for the next 10,000 years under any condition you want to put it under. And I would bet everything that I'll ever own or ever be, which ain't much, but I'd bet it, that 10 million years from now, that stinking rock's going to be a rock. That's right. There's nothing going to cause something that has no life to come to life. You cannot give me one, not one scientific example or evidence of that, not one. And so knowing that the obvious only other choice is God and that he's a judge and that he's going to judge because Acts 17.31 says because he has appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness. How many of you enjoy being judged? I, I don't care nothing about somebody judging me or judging anything about me. If you're driving down the road in a car that has no inspection or registration, mine's out right now, You have no insurance. I'm I'm identifying with some folk here today. Five unpaid tickets. Now this is not me, okay? Five unpaid tickets with a warrant for your arrest. You will go to extreme measures to make sure that you avoid being stopped by a highway patrol or a law officer. And you will even lie to yourself. How many of you have ever drove around, you didn't have insurance, or you didn't have your inspection sticker registration for three, point, three years now at this point in one of my vehicles? I'm going to get it, all right? But but what do you doing? And it's on my Jeep. And I've been working on my Jeep. So i never got it inspected registered and it's about to that point, but I've drove it. And I've drove it to town. And you know what I would say? I would lie to myself and go, I ain't going to get stopped. And if I do, I'll talk my way out of it. And that's what people think of God. Nobody wants to be judged, especially when you know you're guilty. You know, if, you, if you're driving a new car and everything's good and everything's bad, you don't bother you to be stopped by the law. You know, maybe they're just going or, or, or bumming somebody. I have a friend who's a highway patrol. It doesn't bother me at all. Even, this is a picture of grace, even he, if he stopped me in my Jeep, it wouldn't bother me. You know why? Because he's my friend. That's Grace. When you have a friend in Jesus, everyone, no, none of us, think about it, none of us can pass an inspection, honestly. If we stand before the Lord and we're honest to go, have you ever sinned? Absolutely. Have you ever told a lie? Yes, I have. Have you ever lusted? Yes, I have. Have you ever stolen anything, regardless of the value? Yes, I have. I can't pass God's holy inspection. And so you take a person who is guilty, and in their conscience, they know they're guilty. To think of a day of judgment where they're going to be inspected, and they're going to be guilty. Just like as if I drove that car that wouldn't pass inspection, and I had a warrant for my arrest, and I had all these different Things coming against me. And that highway patrol pulls me over. And he stops me. And he begins to inspect me. He's going to write me a ticket. Probably going to arrest me. And I'm going to stand before a judge guilty. And I'm going to be punished for my crimes. And rightly so. Every lost sinner one day faces what it talks about in the book of Acts, when Jesus himself will judge the world according to righteousness. Not our righteousness, not self-righteousness, but God's standard of righteousness to which none of us can possibly pass that inspection. And you face the punishment for your crimes. That's what hell is. Hell is the place where God judges sinners and he does justice. One of the things that I heard when I watched that video this week, uh, Ray Comfort asked one of the people, and I said, do you believe in hell? He said, no, no, absolutely not. He said, if somebody raped your mother, you would expect for that person to be arrested and to be punished for their crime, and rightly so. He said, oh yeah, absolutely. said, then how is it possible that God, who could be good, could not punish wrong?" That's what hell is. It's God's justice punishing those who have crimes against God and their, their penalty has to be made. And the Bible teaches very clearly that the punishment or the wages for sin is death. So this whole thought process that some religions have of, well, I believe God is loving and I believe God is good, and so therefore I can't see where it's possible that there's a hell. God is loving, God is good, God's provided a way for us not to face that judgment through Jesus Christ, but God is a just and a holy God, and He can't possibly be good if He does not punish wrongdoing and crime. Because if you, who most of us are not just people, we think we are, but if someone in your family was murdered or a wrongdoing was committed against somebody in your family and you stood there in that courtroom and that person who killed somebody in your family looked at your judge and said, you know what, judge, I haven't killed anybody since. And I'm a pretty good person. And I I gave some money to you know the 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 law support system enforcement. I got the little sticker on my back window. If that judge looked at that person and said, You know what? I'm gonna let you off, you would be enraged. Not simply at the person who committed the crime, but the judge, because you would say, Wait a second, you were voted into this position to be an example of justice to punish wrongdoing. And to do right for good doing. And to stand for what is right. God's not an unjust judge. God's always going to do what's right and judge according to righteousness. And so you have people who know in their own conscience that they're guilty. They can't pass an honest inspection. And when they stand before the Lord, they're going to be punished for their crime. So maybe there are people in this crowd who are lying to yourself today thinking, I'm not sure if I believe certain parts of the Bible, I don't agree with this whole God thing, because there's people that go to church all the time just listening. I hope you just listen and consider what I said this morning, because lying to yourself does not do away with truth, that's right. and what is a fact. <clears throat> so in that, there's a lot of people who try to sear their own conscience to avoid the day of judgment when God says, that's not the way you do it finish and look at this real quick it says i want you to look at this and i'm not going to go real heavy into this i will a little bit week after next and just talk about what i'm talking about here i'm going to throw some maybe for a loop but i'll give it to you the information in a couple of weeks verse two says the earth was void or without form and void i want you to look at the look at the where the what the world looked like here it was without form it was void that means vain empty chaotic it was darkness was upon the face of the deep. None of this describes the way God would speak something into existence. There's a lot of different theories on creation. This is not a dividing factor. Okay? I'm a gap theory. I believe there was a time period from verse 1 to verse 2. How long that time period? I'm not sure. I wasn't there. But I believe it was a time period in which God created the heavens and the earth. During that time Satan fell, rebelled some type of judgment upon that left the earth in a dark, chaotic place that it's in when we read about it here. However you want to believe, that's your business. And I'll give you some different theories. Okay, I'm a six-day, 24-hour creationist, but the days hadn't started at this point. Okay, And I'm not, I'm not the you know, uneducated backward. There's a lot of people who, who hold to this theory. And some of you go, well, I'm, I'm going to look that up and I'm going to disprove it. Well, there's arguing about every kind of theory. And I don't care nothing about arguing. If you want to believe it, believe it fine. This is what I believe. And I believe it because it goes with the theme of the Bible. Because when you look at the earth, there was in a place where it was vain and empty and dark and chaotic. You see the picture of mankind when he fell into sin. And you have right here the very theme of the Bible in the first three verses. Because when you see that the world in that shape, okay, it says what what takes place that? This is very it good. It said, and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. The word hovering in the Hebrew means shaking and moving. That's what God does towards sinners. You want to know what you do with the judgment day? God's showing you right here. Because as a lost sinner, our life is dark and chaotic and vain and empty. Because of the sin in our life and what sin has brought about. And you don't run from God. God runs to you. That's what it means. Because if you've ever been around very long, especially here in the gospel, you say, every time I hear that, things go on inside of me. That's God's spirit, just like here. Shaking and moving. He's always pursuing sinners. He loves God, loves sinners. Because He wants to save sinners. And you see God's Spirit hovering, and, and just like that, and there's a lot of other things that go along with that scientifically, but here I want to bring out who God is in, in creation, because He's the main point of creation. So many times we focus on the creation rather than the Creator. But you see, God doesn't just cast away, but He begins here to recreate, or to take something that's in chaos and darkness and vain and empty, and He turns it into something in a very short period of time that He says, this is very good. That's what God wants to do with your life. If you're here this morning, you don't believe God, you don't believe God's word, or maybe you've been sitting here for years and years and you've never come to the place to understand what God has for you, in the first three verses of the scripture, he reveals himself very plain and very clear on this. Because in the next verse, what does God say? Let there be light. Now I want you to notice something, I'm almost done. That when God says, let there be light, there was light, four days later, We'll read this later. But four days later is when God set the sun and the moon and the stars to be the light of the earth. This is a different light. This is not the S-U-N. I believe this is obviously the S-O-N. Because right. you, when you look in John chapter 1 verse 1 it says, In the beginning was the Word. Talking about Jesus. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. And everything that was made was made by Him. I believe at this point you see God the Father, and this is just totally my belief. You can cast this out. I believe God the Father was the orchestrator of everything. I believe that He that He looked at the world and the condition that He was in. I believe God the Holy Spirit was moving as He always does in people's lives. He was moving and He was ready to go to work, and Jesus steps forward as the creator of all the universe to carry out the Father's plans in the light of his glory. Turn on the lights. This is where hope begins. And that's the message that we preach. The message of the gospel. Because as lost sinners. We are in a dark chaotic vain and empty state. Facing the judgment day of God. Totally guilty and rightly so. But God. As the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2. Who is rich in mercy. Said let there be light. And Jesus. The Bible teaches that. We'll go into this later who is the light of the world, came into a world of darkness, not to judge and condemn men, according to John chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, but to save lost sinners. And so when you look at this, think about this. One of the things that validates the Scripture, over 2,000 years prior to the cross of Jesus, Moses, the author of this book, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, gave the theme of the Bible in the first three verses, and he didn't even understand he was doing so. He was just riding what God told him to ride. He didn't know about the cross. He didn't understand a dying Savior. Any of that. But yet the message is right there. 2,000 years prior to it happening. And so in that, the desire, the power, and the ability of God to take that which is in chaos and darkness and to redeem it and make it new is the very theme of the Bible from verse 1 all the way to the last verse. So if you want to know the God of the universe, quit listening to people who don't know Him. Who form their own opinions based on their biased, so-called intelligence, because they're running to or running from and trying to avoid the obvious judgment of God because they love sin and they love darkness. That's what it says in John chapter 3. The light came into the world and darkness rejected it. Why? Because they loved their darkness. Most of these people, some of them I believe are ignorant. Some of them have been told a lie and they believe a lie because they've never heard the truth. That's our part. Our part is not to avoid atheists or judge atheists or win an argument with atheists. Our point is to bring truth, to bring light to atheists. And to go, look, you've been lied to, to reason with them. And listen to them. if you're a believer here, every single one of you, Can take common sense and reason with somebody. You don't gotta know about chromosomes and, you know, all that other kind of stuff. Atoms, you know, you don't gotta know about that. Just common sense. Can go, this is, this is what we believe. This is what the Bible says. This is obvious evidence. There's a lot more. I can give you information. I just want you to consider. I just want you, that's all I want. I want you to consider. Because I believe what I believe. And I'm gonna believe that till the day I fall over dead. I'm not trying to make you a Baptist. I'm not trying to make you come to my church. I'm not trying to make you religious. Because none of that stuff can save you. Right. What I do want you to do is take and go. I want to consider. That if it's possible. That this foolish preacher. Is right. Then all of my eternity. And the generations of, of, the, of my family to come. That I'm going to influence. Hangs in the balances of what I believe. About the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you're here this morning and you don't know Christ as your Savior, God's not the angry God that you have to run and hide from or that you have to get away from who's looking to catch up with you so that he can pour out judgment and wrath and cast you into hell. God is a just and holy God who knows your guilt and pursues you anyway. Who loves you. And who left heaven to pursue you. Who came as Jesus Christ. Took your punishment. He took my inspection. And everything that came with my crimes. And my, my breaking of his law. He stood between me and the judge. Thank him And said whatever that fool's got coming. You pour that on me. And the father poured out wrath and punishment on his own son so that a sinner could have the opportunity to be forgiven and to be set free and to pass a lifetime inspection sticker. Wouldn't that be nice? But that's what God did for you. See how do I received that? It's the humble repentance. The Bible teaches all the way through it that when a man humbles himself to believe the truth, I believe that Jesus is the Christ the Son of God. I believe He went to Calvary's cross because He loved me as a sinner to pay the punishment of my sin. I believe that He was buried and rose again on the third day. And He offers me grace. When you believe that, if you just humble yourself before God, repent of your sin, God, I'm sorry for my sin. I admit that you're right and that I'm wrong. I'm asking you to forgive my sin and save my soul. God will do away. The Bible says, wash away your sin. And here's the cool thing to tie it into Genesis in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It says, if any man therefore be in Christ. It means that the moment that you trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior to receive the grace that only he can offer you. If any man be in Christ, he is therefore a new creation. And God wants to go to work on you. Old things are passed away. All things become new. When you begin to study, we look at this over the next few weeks. You get to see what God's hope and his plan and his desires for you. It's not to leave you in a dark, empty, vain, chaotic, religious state. It's to take your life and, and to do what he says, I want to turn ashes to beauty. I want to make your life into something that when you stand before me, he can go, very good. And only Jesus can do that. Only Jesus can do that. So if you're here and you need that this morning, you don't got to come up here. I'll, I'll be glad to pray with you and other people would be too. You don't need a preacher. You need a savior. Humble yourself right where you are to go, God, I need that. And I am am believing the gospel. Trusting in you today is my Lord and Savior. And God will save you right where you are. You're not going to see lights and feel. It's not about a feeling or any of that stuff. It's about I want to receive the promise that God reaches to me and wants me to receive. God's standing there going, please take what I died to give you. All you got to do is go, Lord, I humble myself. I need that. I want that. God saved me. Will you stand with your head bowed and your eyes closed? Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, I love you, and and I thank you so much, Lord, that you first loved us. God, I thank you for being the creator that you are, Lord, that we could spend our life just just looking, Lord, just simply at what what you spoke into existence. And, and see your beauty and your glory and your power and your might and your sovereignty and your control and your wisdom, Lord, and, and just be blown away by it, God. I, I just thank you, Lord, that you thought of us, Lord, not only that you thought of us, but you allowed us to be a part of it, God, that you created us and, and you made us even even greater than all the things we see because we were created in your image. Your word says that we were fearfully and wonderfully made, that we ought to be, we ought to be overwhelmed. God, that we're not some accident floating around on a spinning rock out of control through space with no purpose and no point. But God, we were created in your image, loved by you beyond measure. Your word says that your thoughts of us are more than the number of the sands. God, I pray that that truth would penetrate our heart and that we would see, Lord, just how much you love us. And God, even as sinners that you knew we were going to sin against you before you created us, and you loved us and made us anyway. You made a way so that we could be saved. You made a way, Lord, so we could be forgiven and have eternal life. Look forward to living with you and and beholding you, not just a creation, but our Creator for all eternity, God, just to be overwhelmed by who you are, what you have for us. God, I pray for someone here today that, that doesn't know you. They don't have that that promise and that hope. They've never received uh, your grace, God, that they don't love themselves right now where they stand to receive your grace and your salvation. Lord, have their sins washed away, walk away out of here, a new creation with a new hope and a new life. Thank you for everyone here who's done that, God. And I pray that you'll be glorified in our lives. Help us, God, to be a people who love unbelievers. Enough to equip ourselves to be able to reason with them, God, so that they might be saved too. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.